What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome to episode three of Land Parties, a video gaming and esports podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. We are fresh off the big game, and and we've got lots to talk about this week. Uh, I'm your host Ryan Smith, and with me is Lucas Egan. How's it going, everybody? How was how was your weekend? How was the the big game? What did you have going on this weekend? Did you do much? Did you just chill out? You know, I just watched with a couple friends, and you know, it was a good game. So I'm glad it was entertaining. How about yourself? Yeah, same. Uh, I actually had uh, my nephew's birthday on Saturday, so we went and did that, and then I went over to a buddy's house uh, yesterday. I didn't have a dog in a fight. Uh, I, I, I'm a Bears fan, so obviously our season was done a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good game. Uh, you know, there was a few missed calls and whatnot, but I thought overall it was good. Uh, I thought the halftime. Show show uh i enjoyed the halftime show i've seen on on socials uh there's been some trash talk about it which i thought was kind of weird i i thought it was pretty solid but uh you know overall it was was a pretty good weekend yeah you know i guess quickly on a tangent there i like andy Reid as a coach it's nice to see him get one probably the best coach that never won a super bowl title so it's it's just good to see him get that big one yeah yeah i agree but i'm excited though i know there's been a lot of news uh that's happened here in the last week uh gaming wise i'm excited to t- to uh, uh talk about that i know on my uh, other podcast uh, cfg gamecast we talked a little bit about uh this this past week and we were talking about blizzard and and some of the shenanigans blizzard is is doing uh once again um we talked about uh remote play which you know if we got if we got some time here i'd love to to talk a little bit about remote play and, and what's going on and and some of the uh uh theories possibly as to what's to come with that uh so it's it's been good though but what do we have on the docket for today oh we've got lots of great stuff here we're going to be talking about a classic video game company making a uh, surprising presence here in las vegas and some other cities across the country we are going to touch a little bit on overwatch and we've got a little announcement on a couple of uh, local tournaments that might be of some interest to some people and a very special interview with a uh, rising star in the sports world. I'm excited. Let's uh, let's get into it. Let's. I, I I read this story. I saw this story uh, last week as well. Um, but Atari planning on opening up uh, a chain of video game themed hotels. I know that uh, Las Vegas is one of the cities. I remember uh, Phoenix is another city. Uh, get a little bit into the uh, details as far as with this. Yeah, so they're going to start with Phoenix. Uh, I believe they're working with a Phoenix-based developer. Uh, Las Vegas is one of seven other cities. Uh, Those would include Denver, San Francisco, San Jose, Seattle, 
Chicago and Austin, Texas. So they're going to have a pretty good reach across the country once they start. Uh, there wasn't a lot of concrete details. We do know that the focus is going to be on Atari's universe of video games. And they're going to have eSports studios at each of them, a what they call a gaming playground, whatever they mean by that, event and meeting spaces, restaurants, and movie theaters. So it looks like it'll be heavily... Uh, heavily focused obviously on Atari's properties and it seems like a pretty interesting play to get the gaming crowd to stay at their properties. Well not only that but I think it's interesting that they went with an Atari uh, themed uh, hotel. We know that Atari's is was from an old you know console from an older generation so I think that really speaks to who their demographic is who they're you know those people that you know again bringing in that nostalgia but people that are going to be going to hotels, people that are going to be traveling and spending money. So it's interesting to see. I, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I will absolutely stay in that hotel just to, to go inside and, and experience, just have that experience. I think it's fun. They're going to have different themes rooms. I, I was talking uh, to somebody on Twitter and we were talking about, oh, it'd be great if like Sony did something with all the different games. And then all of a sudden there was this Atari story. It's like, whoa, it's like, that is crazy. So I think it'll be fun. I think it, it could go, you know, adults will enjoy it. I think kids will enjoy it too. Uh, I think this is uh, uh, brilliant. Uh, it was just funny to me that it was that that they went with Atari and not something like Nintendo or or PlayStation or something. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good way for parents to kind of introduce the games they grew up with to their kids. You know, I'm of that generation that kind of just missed Atari, so I didn't grow up with loving the games as much as a lot of people did growing up with them. So this is a chance really to kind of preserve some of that gaming history, pass along some of that knowledge, introduce some of these classic games to a whole new generation. It is interesting that Atari seems to be first. You know, you see Nintendo doing like theme parks and whatnot. So it seems weird that maybe a, a bigger company didn't jump at that, but I'm sure we're going to see more of that coming soon. Yeah, I agree. And not only that, but I'm curious to see, like, especially out here in Las Vegas, where you've got a ton of hotels, you've got a ton of selection, you know, where exactly is this going to be? Is it going to be an off-strip property? Is it going to be geared more towards uh, a tourist base? Or is it going to be geared more towards a, uh, a locals base? So it'll be interesting to see the placement, especially in a place like this that does have a ton of selection and a ton of different hotels to choose from. But we all know and we all see the path and and what the future looks like. And the future is definitely video gaming. So this does not come to or come as a surprise to me to see this, to, to see that Las Vegas is one of those opening locations. I think uh, what's it's here in the next couple years, we should start seeing them pop up. Yeah, they didn't give an exact timeline for everyone else besides Phoenix, but that one should break ground pretty soon. So I think um, we'll see. We'll see. I can't imagine than waiting on Vegas for too long. I feel like that would be one of their next ones up on their list. Um, I also think it's a very interesting play for Vegas because there's not a lot of family-friendly hotels outside of the circus circuses of the world. And so this is kind of a way to kind of appeal to those new-age families there that maybe have grown up on video games. Yeah, and I think it, I think something to note, too, is look at the cities that they're looking to build this in. So we've got Phoenix, we've got uh, Las Vegas, Chicago, Denver, Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, they have Seattle again. <laughs> San Jose and Austin, 
Texas. So I think that also speaks to the culture of those cities and what they're seeing. Obviously, they do a bunch of market research and, and you know, they strategically pick these locations. So I think it's interesting. And I think it's, it's uh, you know, it might be something to note, you know, as far as the, the video game community in these in these cities uh, starts developing, seeing what kind of stuff they do. Do you have any ideas on what you would love to see? Like in your fantasy world, when you're envisioning something like this, what what would really just take the cake? I mean, I would love to see like a Donkey Kong themed room. I think that would be hilarious. Uh, Galga, obviously, uh, with the space theme and everything like that. And and not only that, but with, with technology, AR technology and this and that, they, they can really... It'll be cool to see what they do and and utilizing this newer technology and how they really bring the space to light. Because they, you know, in the article it says, you know, from the outside, other than the red LEDs, it it looks like a normal building. And you know, once you go inside, that's where you get transported to this nostalgic place. So I think it'd be a lot of fun. I would absolutely uh, go when it opens out here. I will absolutely be going. And I heard you mention companies like Sony and whatnot. I'm going to throw Nintendo in there, too. I would love to see a Nintendo-themed hotel. You know, I would love to see a ton of companies take this track to kind of honor what's come before, celebrate what's present, and maybe take a look to what's coming in the future for them. I think it's a great way to kind of merge different industries and merge different experiences. So it doesn't have to just be video games, but you can have physical experiences with them. Um, You know, I I feel like uh, something like a Minecraft branded hotel would be super fun, I think, for a certain brand of people, um, kind of giving them hands-on building experiences and whatnot. I think there's a lot of potential in merging this, and I think it's something that's going to be really fun to keep an eye on. Well, and we know, too, that the casino industries, they know people aren't just coming in to, to play slots, and they're, they're the their demographic is getting younger. So they're looking at different ways that they can start bringing this younger crowd in. How do I get them into the doors? What can we do to engage them? Because they don't want to just sit there and pump quarters into a machine. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that industry, you know, and, and they're already on, they're already doing it. You can see at the Luxor with the esports arena, there's, there's multiple places, multiple casinos uh, that have uh, esports arenas and, and gaming uh, venues within their place. We know that the Raiders are going to have a Twitch lounge. So it's something that they're that they're moving forward with now. I can't wait to see uh, how much the landscape out here starts changing because I think we are going to start seeing less of hey here's a big building with all this stuff that you can do and lots of gambling and I think it's going to start going more towards hey here's activities and and uh, experiences that you can have because that, that's what they recognize uh, especially mo- millennials uh, and, and younger you know it's more about that experience uh, than getting things or, or having that you know that the materialistic things I suppose uh, so it'll be I, I'm excited for this i I think this is a it's it's fun that they're doing it Uh, it's awesome that it's coming out here and uh um yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it yeah i'm super pumped we're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor bet online did you miss your chance to bet on the chiefs fear not listener blue wire is excited to be partnering with bet online to help you win big no matter what the time of year with March Madness, the Masters, and Major League opening day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. 
Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up, and it's super easy, and if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that promo code is BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And welcome back. Thanks for listening to that message from our sponsor. You know, speaking of big games here, Overwatch League just recently kicked off their new season. And, you know, at first glance, I think everything looks good. Everything looks normal. There might be some trouble brewing underneath the surface. Uh, There's been some good stories out there, some good reporting on some of the challenges the Overwatch League is facing and will continue to face into the very near future. And Ryan, I know you're a big Overwatch player. And, you know, some of these issues seem to be like they're going to be tough to deal with. Um, You know, one of the major ones, I think, is the travel that some of these teams are having to deal with. Uh, According to an article from ESPN, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers are expected to travel about 40,000 miles this year. There's one Boston's Overwatch team is going to travel more than 70,000 miles. And just things like that seem like they present pretty special and hard challenges. Ryan, what do you see as some of those biggest ones, and what can be done to fix it? I mean, here, here's the thing, and and this is where it, it <clears throat> excuse me, it's always going to be a challenge, especially if you know, you know, if you watch sports or anything like that. Uh, everything's based within the same country, right? So you're you're limited on how much traveling you're going to be doing when you when you get to an international sport. Now you're talking about having to travel overseas, you know, over to different countries, and that. Takes takes a huge toll on you, not only physically, but mentally. Uh, So that's a huge problem. How you address it, I'm not 100% sure. I think that's more of a scheduling thing and how they go about scheduling these matches, taking into effect, uh, you know, what kind of effect it has, what the negative effect it has on these players doing all that traveling. Uh, Do they have enough time in between to rest, uh, to recoup? I think they need to start looking at that kind of stuff if the, if we're going to move forward uh, with the league, and, and they are. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they go about combating it and what kind of, of maybe rule changes or or they implement something to to address this. But it's definitely something that they're going to need to address. Or Otherwise, I, I feel that you're going to start seeing people drop out like flies. They're going to say it's not worth it. It's too tolling on my body and mind. Uh, and I think that those are all valid points. Yeah, you know, you've seen in other sports leagues players being resistant to having international teams. You know, the NFL comes to mind. They've talked for years. There's been rumors for years about them wanting to open up a team in London. And the pushback's always been, how the heck do you schedule that? And, you know, it is interesting since they started international, instead of starting in one country and then trying to spread internationally, they've they've basically welcome that challenge right off the start you're right there's no easy solution and there's almost no way around it the way they've set this league up and you know it's funny because the growth internationally is both 
a positive and a negative on that front. Obviously, Blizzard wants that growth. They want more teams. But with that, it's going to be a, a challenge for these guys and gals. You know, it's it's not just the travel. It's, it's the jet lag. It's, like you said, the mental and physical toll that it's going to take on them. You know, it's funny. We go on vacation. I always joke, I need a vacation for my vacation to recover. Yep. And these guys are going to have to be traveling, you know, across the world multiple times. That can't be easy. Yeah, no, it... It, it's crazy to me, too, that this wasn't something that they thought about before moving forward in the league. I could see, and like you were saying, uh, if, if it, you know, as it expands, as they get more teams, maybe it'll turn into kind of a regional thing. And then, you know, it's almost like a tournament or something like that where the winners of the regions then come together. And that's where they, you know, that way you're able to isolate it via location. So you're reducing the amount of travel and how and and, and how far away the the places that they're having to go are. But they're not there now and I don't know, <laughs> other than looking at the schedules and trying, but even then, like, let's say, uh, you know, London, they're going to be doing a lot of traveling. And, you know, you're also going to be expected to have to travel over there as well, because I know that they're implementing uh, home games in, in this uh, this season. So it'll be interesting. It's kind of, I mean, it's it's crazy to me, though, that, that they didn't think about this. I also know, too, that to actually get into these leagues, to be one of these teams, it costs a, a pretty pun, uh, penny to actually be a part of the league. So, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to see them growing rapidly, strictly on the fact that it costs so much to actually, you know, throw your hat into the ring. Uh, this is the challenge that, that I'm I'm interested to see how they how they go about and what they do, what their actions are. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. You know, do you see this reaching a breaking point? Is this something that if they expand too much, that it just might be too much travel, or do you think this is something that players will just learn to adapt and deal with, and some of these organizations will find ways around this somehow? Yeah, I mean, come on now. I, I can absolutely see that. <laughs> they are doing it right now. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, but, you know, again, it, it goes from, and, and it's all about if it's worth it to a person or not. And different people react differently. Some people can handle that kind of travel, handle that kind of stress. It doesn't affect them as much as, say, you know, Joe Smo. So, Joe Smo ends up having to leave the league because he says, I can't, you know, I can't handle that. Or, or she says, you know, that's just too much travel for me. So you, I think you'll see people not being able to go forward or, or not or, or dropping out of it. But I don't think that there's going to be an immediate change. Um, I don't think there's enough people complaining about it. I don't, you know, I, I think these are those, just those initial uh, like, hey, this is going to be a problem or, hey, this is a problem. And it's kind of one of those. All right, we'll 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 put this in on the back burner until it boils up and and turns into a problem problem. But uh, I don't know. I I, don't, I wouldn't say that's the route to go. I would try to curb this uh, sooner than later. How you go about curbing it, though, I have no idea. Just because the teams are are all over the world, so you're going to be doing some traveling. You know, another issue that I think Overwatch is kind of dealing with, and this one the teams don't have any control over is there's been some rumbling about that the gameplay is just getting a little stale with Overwatch. There's not enough variety. You know, if you look at their release of new heroes compared to a game like League of Legends, there is no comparison. Do you think that Blizzard will need to spice things up gameplay-wise to 
to secure their kind of long-term future here? Funny that you say that because actually there was just a – there was a developer meeting with uh, uh, Jeff Kaplan, and essentially they said within – I don't know if it's this coming up. I don't think it's implemented yet, but I believe the next upcoming update is going to introduce uh, hero bands. They are going to move forward, even though he said we're not interested in hero bands. They are absolutely moving forward with it. Uh, here's why, and, and I was kind of on the fence about this, because I was like, I don't like the fact that somebody can tell you to, or, or hey, this hero's banned, essentially making it so, hey, I can't use this hero because you're not good at defending against them or being able to, to take them out. It's like, I don't think that's how video games are played or should be played. Uh, however, uh, uh, my buddy uh, Davis, um, he made a, a strong point because, number one, the this is going to be a rotating two-week cycle. Uh, Overwatch, the Overwatch team will be uh, determining who will be banned. It's going to be one character from DP, or I'm sorry, one character, one tank, one heal, and two DPS characters on a two-week uh, uh, cycle, essentially. And then they're going to take the stats from that two-week cycle, and they're going to say, all right, these were the most used heroes within this next, and then they're going to be banned uh, the next two weeks. You cannot have a character banned two weeks in a row or a month in a row. Uh, and this is also going to be implemented within uh, the Overwatch League, too, which I think is awesome. I think this absolutely will spice things up. Uh, it'll make these metas and this and that rotate a lot faster. Again, I think it's going to I think it's also going to to create some new problems that they may not have thought of yet. And people are going to complain and, rah, rah, you know, they're going to do what they do. Um, but I think this is at least what what. what makes me excited about this is that they they listen to what their fan base is saying they you know they take valid complaints or valid things that they think are issues and, and they will address them and essentially what they're saying is hey we're going to go in and we're going to look to to speed things up a little bit as far as what meta changes as far as with the, you know just so that there's always that flow and that that there's a bit of spice you know uh to to the game i, I i'm excited to to check it out they also put in a clause saying hey we also reserve the right to revert back to an old version if something isn't working out, you know. So I think it's nice that they put that clause in saying, hey, we don't want to hear from you, Internet trolls, because we said that if it ain't working, we go back, you know. Uh, so but I, I, I think it's I think it's a smart move by them. I think it's definitely going to not only spice up things for regular players, people that play Overwatch, uh, but also the Overwatch League in watching it and and the, the players themselves and how they play it. So I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be dope, dude. Yeah, you know, I think it's definitely a needed move. Um, you know, I love playing Overwatch. That's uh, not competitive at it, but I love playing it with my brother. You know, I mentioned in a previous episode, you know, that's one of the games that we are able to connect over even though we're living in different countries. So I, I will always have a, a fondness for this game. It will be, I think it'll be exciting. You know, it'll force people into trying some of these uh, heroes that that don't get a lot of love so that's always fun um it will feel like if if there's a hero that's been dominating in certain areas like it will be nice just to get a change of scenery force people to change some tactics that will definitely be nice do you think though their lack of variety of heroes is hurting them overall uh not really I, okay. I, I think that, like, because they come out essentially on a three-month cycle. Every three months, they'll come out with a new character. I've been fine with that. I mean, they can maybe bump it up a month or something. But, I mean, really, I haven't. There's enough characters and there's enough 
you know, choices and different modes to play that it never really feels stale to me. Even though you're playing the same game, doing the same objective on the same maps, you never know what the result can do or how this team composition completely changed how, you know, you're, you're, you typically get blown out on Paris map and somehow you got to be able to defend this time. Uh, you know, it, it always seems like a new experience, even though it's the same game. Um, I'm fine with how they are as far as with that. Uh, I, I think it will bring a little bit of variety, though, having them. Not only that, but then you're not going to have people complaining about, oh, I can't believe you didn't ban this character or everybody needs to pick this because it's going to be Blizzard themselves and their dev team that are going to be choosing uh, the, the bans and then it's going to be the stats uh, that essentially choose the next set and 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 so on and so forth from there. So I think it's gonna bring a new uh, uh, it's a new twist into the game, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna freshen it up a bit. Yeah, definitely. So viewer wise, you know their finale from last season did strongly. I'm not saying that they didn't that it was bad. It got about three hundred and twenty thousand at its peak. That does, however, pale in comparison to a lot of these leagues that were pushing a million plus. What do you think is missing to push Overwatch League into that kind of next tier of, of esports leagues? Well, I think they tried to make that move mm-hmm. by moving over. I, I don't know, and I think I think we might have talked about this a little bit on episode two, but them making the move and, and all essentially all the esports uh, uh, leagues that are broadcast making the move from Twitch over to YouTube gaming. Uh, I thought that was a peculiar move, but it also kind of makes sense. Uh, YouTube gaming, number one, is number two search engine to what? Google. Google Google owns what? YouTube and YouTube gaming. So that together right there makes sense. Um, they have that discoverability and they have the backing of Google. I think that was a it was an interesting move. I don't know yet if I could say that it was a smart move. Again, myself, I watch a lot of Twitch. I don't really watch a lot of YouTube gaming uh, streams. I've seen maybe some here or there and it does feel familiar uh, as far as like with the UI and, and how you interact with people, but it still to me hasn't caught on live streaming wise uh, that Twitch has. But again, you don't make these moves just out of, you know, off of a whim. These are calculated moves that they're making. So I think they see what the potential can be for it. And I think that's exactly what they're doing is trying to address those numbers and say, you know what, let's move over to YouTube, see if we can pull over there millions and millions of people and get more people to to interact and, and watch over there. So I definitely an interesting move there. So it sounds like you're saying, you know what, Overwatch needing to make some changes. Blizzard starting to make those changes. So you're you're pretty confident going forward that they're going to be right there growing at, at the rate you like to see them? I think so. I mean, we know that there's a huge fan base for this stuff. How people consume uh, the media, you know, now is the time to try that stuff out. You know, I don't obviously I don't know any of the back end stuff or whatnot, but uh, I can't imagine that if things don't pan out on on YouTube that they wouldn't be able to move back over to Twitch whenever the contract runs out. But I think now is the time to kind of have those experiments, see where the numbers are, see what's going to be a better fit. And then I think you'll start seeing some of these leagues break off. Hey, you know, the COD league might be pulling all kinds of uh, numbers over on YouTube gaming, but Overwatch league isn't even pulling over the numbers that they were pulling on Twitch. Let's move that one back over to Twitch. Let's keep COD over here on YouTube gaining, uh, gaming. So, 
for me, this is the bigger, you know, nobody, you, you can't have a monopoly. And I, I, I will always see this stuff as, as a positive. We're introducing more competition, not only on the live streaming side, uh, but how, you know, where these major people that are doing these major events, uh, you know, where they're going. You're seeing major streamers moving platforms. Uh, so this is exciting times. And, and it, it, to me, it's going to make everybody else, all the other platforms and all the other competitors, step up their games. And, that, and, and for me, that, that means that we win, right? So I'm all for it, buddy. Exactly. Yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting time here. I'm excited to see how it pans out. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you guys want to share your thoughts, you can follow us uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on pretty much any social media out there. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Lucas Egan, L-U-K-A-S-E-G-G-E-N. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. Reverse that. It's uh, at Egan Lucas because I wasn't smart when I made that. Uh, Ryan, why don't you share yours? Yeah, I'm, I'm Smitty2447 everywhere everywhere on the socials or you can of course hit us up on uh the uh land parties uh uh twitter as well which is land parties pods uh at land parties pods on twitter and looking at the rumor mill uh, I saw this weekend that there are rumors that Mario Kart 9 will be coming out sometime in 2020 for Nintendo Switch. I, I'm not even gonna lie; I got super, I got super giddy about it. I love the Mario <laughs> Karts. I know that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was a, a essentially a port of the uh, Wii U. Uh, Mario Kart, so I'm excited for a fresh new Mario Kart. I'm really hoping that these th these rumors are true. Yeah, you know, I'm honestly a little bit torn on this. You know, this would be the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that we'd get two Mario Karts on the same generation of hardware from Nintendo. You know what? I would love Mario Kart 9. I'm not going to lie. If it came out this year, I would be there day one buying it. Um... Uh, the the one part of me that is a little bit torn on this is I kind of like having that one iteration of a generation. I know that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe was a port, but let's be honest, almost no one bought a Wii U. So it was essentially a new game to pretty much everybody. True, <laughs> true. So I guess, you know, I would not be disappointed. I would, like I said, I'd be there day one. I would just be a little bit torn. Yeah, no, I I understand that. I, I mean, for me, I'm always gonna love, and I will get it if it comes out. I will get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's interesting though because they're saying, you know, according according to this rumor, that uh, they're gonna move forward with its production because they are having they're stalling out a little bit on uh, Breath of the Wild two. So that makes me sad because that's a fantastic game. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see both of them come out. You know, no perfect time than that holiday season. I'm just saying, Nintendo. But uh, <laughs> we'll see what they. Uh, we'll We'll see what they do as far as with that. No, go ahead. You know, the the fact that the they might be delaying Breath of the Wild 2 surprises me. You know, I, I'm not a game developer, so I know that I'm talking out of my behind for a lot of this. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that they have the assets from the original game, 
makes me think production should be quicker, so it makes me wonder if story-wise something's not where they wanted it to be. Which, yeah, and that could be the case, because, yeah, you're right, they they already have a bunch of those elements, they already have the infrastructure, you would think that it would be easier uh, for them to put together a second one, but again, there could be some back-end components that we don't know about, that maybe that they're experimenting with, or or it could be story issues. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I still need to finish Breath of the Wild myself because I'm a terrible human being. Uh, I <laughs> eventually I will finish that game, but it's good. It is a good game. You know, and I'm gonna be honest. I was hoping the rumor would be that Metro Pri- Metroid Prime Ooh. Four would come out. I'm still holding out hope. That's a surprise <laughs> bombshell coming out in a Nintendo Direct. I doubt it, but maybe. That'd be amazing. <laughs> You know, speaking of games, and uh, we've got a special interview for you guys this week. It's a pretty good one. Uh, William Byron is one of NASCAR's up-and-coming stars. He was their 2017 Rookie of the Year, and he finished 11th in the 2019 NASCAR Cup Series standings. You know, he's he's been on the rise. He's been performing strongly. He is going to be at, or he was at, excuse me, the HyperX Esports Arena at the Luxor, racing fans and media, and, you you know, we talked games, obviously, and uh, we got to take him on. So you'll get to find out if we've got what it takes to beat a NASCAR driver digitally, of course. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about this event. How did it all kind of come together on your end? Uh, just a, It's a great event for Las Vegas Motor Speedway, obviously, and just knowing the importance of this race and and what it means for the start of the season and kind of evaluating our race cars and teams. So um, pretty ex- definitely looking forward to this race and kind of um, we've been doing a lot of preparation in the simulator at GM and kind of understanding what we're going to have when we get here. You know, I'm sure there'll be enough stress race weekend. So how is it to come out here today and, and have some fun out here with some fans? Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it's it's cool and kind of to see this whole arena that is back here is really cool. and. Um, never seen anything like this so it's it's a lot of fun and I'm sure um, you know just the whole gathering we had kind of watching the race was really cool what were your first thoughts when you walked into here Uh, just kind of amazed by how many computers they have honestly I think each one of these computers is probably about you know I don't know two two thousand dollars so that's that's pretty impressive take me back to your gaming beginnings there what got you into video games um, you know, I started as a kid probably playing um, the different NASCAR games that would come out. And then really when I was uh, probably 13, started racing on iRacing. And, um, you know, for me, just the connection that Dell Jr. had to iRacing and how much he was promoting it, um, you know, all the time, I think is kind of what drew me to it. Um, and, and I think ultimately that led to a real racing career, but that was much later. So um, really just kind of started you know, from hearing from people I looked up to and seeing how much they uh, promoted it. It was always NASCAR games at the beginning, right Right from the get-go? Yeah, 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 yeah. I always raced NASCAR games and raced a, a couple other console games and stuff, too, when I, when I was growing up. What did you learn through iRacing, you know, especially that you think has helped build those building blocks into your racing career? I think just um, the format of a race, you know, how how a race progresses over the over the course of a longer run and you know how that translates to you know success and I don't know just a lot of a lot of things that you learn from from uh, you know iRacing that can really help when you started your transition into racing there 
what were your expectations going in when you first stepped into that that car and mm -hmm. and i mean what yeah i imagine you're happy with what's happened over the years yeah yeah i mean it when I first stepped into a race car the first time, I had no idea what I was doing in terms of just getting getting the clutch to work and just you know really honestly understanding how to fire up the car. Um, all those things were so so surreal and kind of nerve wracking that I think uh, you know once I got past all that stuff, I was I was in pretty good shape. But it was definitely at first kind of an adjustment. How would it have been different had you not gone into gaming and? and if you had not been led to iRacing, what do you think would have been different about your career right now? Um, had I not gotten into it, um, I think honestly I would have never gotten an opportunity to drive and probably wouldn't have known how to drive and how to do well. So I think uh, just kind of when I started, I just kind of had to get used to everything for the first time. You know, we live in an age where video games obviously becoming more prevalent. We're seeing a lot of people make their careers out of it now. What advice would you give for someone, for that kid that, that's, you know, a huge gamer and they want to do, whether it's racing or into whatever yeah. career they want to do? In yeah, I would say just follow your dreams. You know, my dream was racing cars. And for some people, it might be playing football or basketball or, or um, gaming, you know. So I think just whatever your dream is, just kind of following that and pursuing it. Um, I definitely wasn't going to let anything get in the way of, of my uh, dream to race cars. What has gaming meant to you personally when you look back on it? Um, means a lot. You know, I've built a lot of relationships on on uh, the games that I, diff that I played and um, definitely a lot of fun with my friends in, in school and um, just kind of gave me something to really focus on, which I think is huge. Just having um, something to pursue and uh, kind of a passion to, to think about. You know, when you look at NASCAR's uh, e-racing league, there, are you are you excited when you see the growth and, and being and the involvement and, and everything yeah. with that? Yeah, I'm pretty excited this year, uh, especially having my own racing team on there and having two really good drivers, veteran drivers. Um, and I just, I, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how they do this year. I think it's going to be a big audience. You know, some of the races are on NBC and uh, I think it's going to be really cool to, to kind of watch how it plays, how it unfolds. Where would you like to see that go? What What's the dream vision here in say five years from now yeah. for that? Um, I think it's just going to continue to kind of progress on a national level and uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how, how uh, the NASCAR community embraces it. Last question for okay. you, how would you rate my driving? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was okay. <laughs> no, uh, there, were, there were worse. There were worse out there. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. Is there anything else you'd like to add? That's it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. William, again, thank you so much for taking the time for the interview, uh, for playing some video games with us. We appreciate it. And, and before we wrap things up here, Lucas, you had something you wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to two uh, local high school esports tournaments that are going on. And I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, the first one is put on by 8-Bit Esports. They have six high schools involved. Uh, they're playing a variety of games, including Smash, League, and Overwatch. They are having weekly tournaments with a grand finals on March 14th at UNLV. Those grand finals on March 14th are going to be open to the public. So start circling your calendar to check out some of uh, the area's best young local talent there. The second tournament I'd like to just briefly give a shout out to is called the Silver State Smash 2. That is happening this Saturday at Gameworks in Town Square. 
It's open to any high school student. You do have to be a high school student. Sorry, guys. If you're Dang. older or younger, uh, the cost is $10, but based on the number of entrants, there are some prize pools involved. So just wanted to give those two tournaments a shout out. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Again, that's going to do it for us here over at Land Parties of Video Gaming and Esports podcast thank you guys again for for taking the time to listen to us we hope you guys have a great week and we love your faces